a reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, why did you ever leave, make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Mo Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? A little more and they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go over there in front of the people, along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go, the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will flow from it for the people to drink. This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel. The place was called Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled there and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord. to the Lord, let us proclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, for he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as of Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, brothers and sisters. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For Christ, 
while we were still helpless, died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Indeed, only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person, one might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. to you. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Lord, you are truly the Savior of the world. Give me living water that I may never thirst again. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, 
You are right in saying you, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the, the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, What are you looking for? Or, Why are you talking with her? The woman let, left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, In four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the field ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him and they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, many more began to believe in him because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Beloved, over the years, preaching on this particular gospel pericope, as presented by the tremendous and beautiful gospel of St. John, 
I have oftentimes presented the reflection in the light of the obvious things that strike us, such as we know the tension between Samaritans and Jews, albeit we don't really oftentimes understand why was there this, this hatred for one another, this, this disdain. But it really emanates from the fact that back in the year 721, 722 B.C., when the Assyrians invaded, remember the kingdom had become divided, ten tribes in the north and two in the south. And it was during that period of separation that the Assyrians invaded and basically uh, decimated the ten tribes and scattered them about this way and that way and actually resettled that area with some of their own people in different uh, groups. And so consequently what happened intermarriage, intermingling. And so with that being the case, they began to establish and had the set intention of worshiping the same God of the Israelites, but they did it in their way. They created their own priesthood. They built their own temple up on the Mount Gerizim. And so with all of this, these Samaritans, because of that reality, stood as a perpetual reminder to the Jews who had not fallen into such a situation, a, a perpetual reminder of that time of, of great strife, of, of, of scattering. And, and so it is, the Jews look upon the Samaritans as like the half-breeds, uh, as like a bastard version of their faith and religion of doing their own thing. And so that really is the source of this disdain. It's not just because, oh, there were Samaritans, we're, you know, we're up the road, they're down the road. No, <laughs> far, more, <laughs> far more was going on. And so with that being the case, I want to present us with the image of Jesus as the bridegroom, and not just any bridegroom, but as the divine bridegroom. And the Samaritan woman who comes at the well at this noon hour as a potential bride, and not just any bride, she, because of the fact that she has both the Jewish blood in her as well as the blood of pagans, represents the whole of humanity. And whenever you see a man in relationship to a well in the, in the biblical text, that for the first century Jews or the Jews of those times, they would have been ready because if there was a man at the well, then some, at some point a woman is coming along. And not long after that, there will be wedding bells and there will be a celebration. How do we know this? Well, remember, when Abraham sent his servant to find a bride for his son Isaac, he went to the well. And there he spied Rebekah. He was given a protocol as to how to go about establishing whether she would be a good choice for his son or not. She passed with flying colors. Then we remember Moses, after his, uh, his deed of justice, as he was... Uh, a prince of Egypt, 
ran into the region of Midian, and there at the well were the daughters of the priest of Midian, Jethro. And it would be there, as Moses would fend off the, the marauders that were trying to harass the girls, the women, he was offered the hand of Zipporah, one of his most beautiful daughters. And as we hear today, near the plot of land at Jacob's well was, here is Jesus. Jacob would also find his wife, Rebecca, at the well. So we see in those times, men did not go looking for a potential spouse at the ballroom or the club. They went to the water well. Why? Because it was customary that the women and the children were given the charge of going to get the water from the well, but, not, but the women that would be available would be potential. So that's where the men would go, looking and seeing, well, let's see what, we can, what can happen. So here we see Jesus. And he describes as being tired. Now, before the reality of the incarnation, could you ever imagine God being tired? But because we know he took upon himself a human nature and entered into the fullness of the human experience on every level, accepting of sin, but this is because he came to redeem, he came to take our sins, it should be refreshing for us to know that Jesus knows what it is to toil. He knows what it is to be exasperated with people because the night before, he was up late with Nicodemus who was asking him about things that he had been teaching, trying to understand. And you remember, Jesus is always presenting us a teaching about, the, of God, about God and the kingdom therein on two levels, both the natural but especially the spiritual or the supernatural. And that's where everybody was being tripped up. So as we listen to this conversation, Jesus asking her for a drink, give me a drink. He didn't actually ask. He said, give me a drink. Well, she was shocked, didn't know what to make of it. But getting to it, Jesus piques her curiosity by saying, if you knew who it was that was addressing you right now, you would be asking him for the gift of God. And for the water that I have to give is one that is a living water. Well, when she heard this, she said, oh, now living water in the Semitic tradition meant a living stream. Like it's like the water's alive. If you ever see a, a flowing like the, the river, if you go by the Mississippi River, you see how it's flowing and you see how it's, how it's wild in its currents. Or if you've ever gone to, to, to see the, the falls of Niagara Falls or any falls, you see, and, and it's just an exciting thing, even at the beach, watching how the waters just race up and they create the foam on the, on the shoreline. This is what is in her mind. Wow, not the stagnant water that's in a well. So she is, certainly he's got her interest. But then Jesus says, you come here, but you're going to drink this water. You're coming back here again. It's, it's not going to satisfy, but what I'm giving you, what I'm offering you is something that's going to well up within you. This gave her now, this was an insight. This is where Jesus is moving her from just the natural waters that she's used to, to the supernatural living water that wells up within and never runs out. What's going on here? So once he gets her to move to that level of thinking, he then, because then she says, well, give me this water. He says, no, you go first and go get your husband. 
And uh, well, she begins to lay it known. I don't have a husband and you've spoken. In fact, you've had five and the one you're with. So now we understand why she's there at noon. She's there at noon. There's no companions with her. Women never went to the well by themselves in those times and certainly not at the heat of day. So this obviously confirms that she was in a, in a way. <laughs> she was in a way. And probably even more astonished that Jesus would actually, that a Jew, a man, would actually be conversing with her at a well. Who could want me? Who? You know, and isn't that sometimes our experience? If God really knew me, would he love me? If he really knew me, well, breaking news, he really does know us. And he really does love us. And it's precisely because of the fact that we are, <laughs> we are out of sorts more times than not. That is the purpose and that's what's the attraction. He has come to set things right. And so he speaks to this woman in a way that she realizes he reads her heart. Only a prophet would be able to do that. I see that you are a prophet. And then, but cleverly, cleverly, she, she changes the subject. She doesn't want to talk about her sins. She talks about right worship and religion and so forth. And Jesus goes with it. He's not afraid because he knows where he's moving her. He's moving her from that posture of, of, of insecurity, of, of, of just, just being like just down in the dumps. He's moving her to faith and wonder at what's possible with God, with him. And so he begins to talk about, you want to ask me these questions, whether Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem, the temple uh, uh, where you all here in Gerizim, on this temple, on this mount, I can assure you, woman, this is, there is a time now and it's here where the true worship of God will not be relegated to any edifice, not any building or location, but in spirit and in truth. For this is what God desires because God is spirit. Well, we know she comes to faith at this point. She leaves the bucket and goes into the village and she begins to testify about everything that has occurred. The people obviously take note for when was the last time this woman probably had that kind of moxie to go into that village where everybody obviously knew her and about her. And she spoke in a way that actually caught their attention. He's told me everything. So this is important to realize. The Samaritans believed in all of the revelation that the Jewish people were given. They also were waiting for the Messiah. And so when she came back talking like this and saying, and they knew, one of the things they knew about the Messiah, he was going to tell them everything. Remember, Moses says, there will be another like me that God will raise up. Listen to him. He will tell you everything. So they come. But now you hear the conversation of the disciples. What's going on here? Why was he talking? Remember, they came up on him while he was talking to the woman. Why were, they, why were they shocked by that, that he was talking to a woman? This isn't the first time Jesus was talking to a woman. Remember, Mary Magdalene, they had women that were in his company. He was conversing with women on a regular basis. So what was it? What was it? Well, the issue for them was he was at the well. 
They said, whoa, whoa, they know what that meant. So they were like, oh, oh, uh, but Jesus was a celibate, so how is this going to play out? And then they began to ask him about eating. Aren't you hungry? Come on. And he says, I have food to eat of which you don't know. Look up. Stop looking down. Look up and see. The fields are ripe. The harvest, it's been prepared by who? Moses and the other prophets have prepared have prepared for this moment, and I have to be. Jesus intentionally, we hear this in the scripture, especially in John's gospel, he had to go to Samaria or to the Samaritan region because he was coming to fulfill the Father's will. The Father's will was that his Messiah, his son, would draw all to him. This is the will of God. This is the Father's desire. And so Jesus presenting himself as he does. He says to this woman, he says to us, will you marry me? Well, certainly you can't be serious. Oh, I'm serious. The gift of God is real, and I am the dispenser of it. The gift of God is the Holy Spirit. In the waters, the living waters, it is the blood and water that flowed from the sacred heart of Jesus when the wedding was consummated on the cross. Now, we have catechumens this year. It's very exciting. At the 11 o'clock mass, they come. And, you know, most of us here, we think of baptism. We will baptize most of us as children. We don't realize we really don't realize. We think when we hear, when we see the baptism of the, of the infants, the children, it's mainly, and it's true, it's a washing, it's a cleansing of the stain of original sin. But when a full-grown adult who has never been baptized is baptized, there is no need for them to go to confession prior to the baptism. Why? Because the baptismal bath the washing, the cleansing cleanses them of all sin, venial and mortal, and the punishments associated with those sins in this life and in the life of the world to come. If an adult who's baptized, say on the Easter vigil, passes away that night, they are going straight to heaven without exception. This is the power. And this isn't something I'm making up. You can check it out in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's in paragraphs around the 1600s. And just look up under the section on the baptism, and you'll see this is the church's teaching. And we are being called to reflect upon this because we have been claimed by the Father in Christ Jesus the Lord. The living water has been poured into us. We hear of the love of God being poured into our hearts. It doesn't disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. And this is the hope that is trust. This has all happened, and it's come to pass. What are we having to be leery of? What's the challenge? The same, our ancestors, the place of testing at Masa and Meribah. That's what the terms Masa and Meribah mean. Masa, testing, Meribah, quarreling, <laughs> wrangling with God. We do that too. We do. So what are we being challenged with? As today the Lord presents himself to us, as he has situated himself where he always situates himself, in on this mountain, 
where the well is established, a well that is always alive. It's vibrant with the movement of the Spirit. He is here, and he's looking for you and I, and he wants us to come forth. Come anew. Bring to him what's really going on. Stop telling the Lord about the things that are on the, on the surface. Well, Father, you know, sometimes I, I use vulgar language, and it's, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What really is the wound that these things are emanating from? Why am I envious so much? Why am I so jealous? Why do I feel like I have to do all these special things? Get in touch with that. We know what it is. Tell the Lord. I mentioned at the school mass this past Wednesday. The devil knows our names, but he calls us by our sins. Jesus knows our sins, but he calls us by our names. How many of us identify ourselves with our weaknesses? Oh, I could never do that. Oh, he could never want me. What, me? You want to wash my feet? Oh, Lord, Father, you've got to be kidding me. Do you know me? <laughs> this is the time. This is the acceptable time. This is the day of salvation. Give me a drink. God is thirsty. We are thirsty. He's hungry. We are hungry. He's thirsting. He's hungering for souls. You and I, we're thirsting. We're hungering for new life, for new experiences that are beyond anything we could have ever imagined. God love you.